in the air, right? That's not the cool atmosphere or the air conditioning, man. That's the presence of God touching your heart this morning. Let him minister to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to give honor to my pastor for giving me the privilege to speak to you this morning. I do it with great reverence, with great respect. And please, at the words that I'll be sharing with you today, I've thought long and hard, and I've waited on my heart, and God has spoken to my heart first, and I want to share those words with you today. But before I do, um, for the men who weren't here on Monday this week, man, what a blessing. We came to the mon uh, uh, Monday barbecue or the barbecue and a Bible study. For those that came, man, what a blessing. I heard... Brother Khan, share his testimony, and I was touched. The reason why the words, all of my worship this morning resonated with me, because I kept thinking of what he told me. He said that a miracle was answered because all he did was worship God. He just worshiped God. And he heard God, and he told him exactly what he needed in his life. And all he did was worship. And he encouraged the men that day to just worship God. Just worship God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, praise team. If you could, open your Bibles to Hebrew, Hebrews 2, verse 1. Verse 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> I'm going to read uh, the... King James Version first, and then I'll read the New Living Translation. It says here in Jesus' name, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things for which we have heard. So it's telling us something important here. Lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just rec recompense of reward. So I'll read it in New Living Translation. It says, so we must listen carefully to the truth we have heard. Who can thank God for the truth? I'm so glad I heard somebody speak the truth, and I listened to it, and I continue to hear the truth today. The truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. I'd like to preach to you from this title, Steadfast Amidst the Drift. Steadfast Amidst the Drift. There is a story, uh, a historical fact, you know, so you, you may be seated. I want to have you standing up the whole service. I will. I will. I'll, I'll do it for you. There's a story of a, 
historic plane crash. Uh, those of you who are plane enthusiasts and simulator enthusiasts, Brother Emil, are, may know of this story. If not, you may have also heard it because many lessons, many teachings have come from this. Uh, many people have used it for, uh, for good, right? And the story is back in November 28th, 1979, way before I was born, way, way before. <laughs> Uh, a New Zealand flight 901, a DC-10 registered ZK and ZP, crashed into Mont Arabis on Ross Island, Antarctica. Have anybody heard that story before, the Mount Arabis? Um, and while this was a brutal event that sparked worldwide interest in the Arabis story or in the Mount Arabis, uh, it represented neither the beginning nor the end for the complicated, compelling tale, meaning... There was so many, so much controversy of what caused that accident, what caused the plane crash, and um, investigations throughout after the the plane crash were done. Uh, many things were looked into, and to really condense the story here for you, it came down to the flight plan was adjusted, or it was um, the flight plan is what's used on the airplanes. This is what the, their trajectory is set on. It's placed in their computer before they take off. That flight plan, the computer just kind of follows it, and the pilots make sure that it kind of stays on course. And that flight plan, the original flight plan that that airplane had done several times, and it was a sightseeing airplane. They were going to the island to sightsee. It had done it many times before. But this one occasion, 257 souls on board, somebody or something, a computer malfunction, or somebody adjusted the flight plan by just one degree, one or two degrees, one or two degrees. And, and the really, you say, well, it doesn't sound like a lot. And it's not at first. If you were to uh, look at what one degree and how much of an impact it can cause, uh, the really the reality of the effect of being off just by a few degrees uh, is obvious. The longer you travel, the more distant you are from your original course. You know, people that are a lot smarter than I am could probably explain to you that, you know, if you just move one foot from your original position by one degree, you're, you're off by two-tenths of an inch. It's not a big deal. It's still within arm's reach. Two-tenths of an inch, what a big deal. After 100 yards, you'll be off by five feet. Again, not huge, but now it's noticeable. 100 yards, it's a football field. So if you start at one point at the end of the football field, you'll be off five feet from your Intended destination. After a mile, you'll be off by 92 feet. Again, one degree is starting to make a difference. After traveling uh, from San Francisco to Los Angeles or from Fort Myers to Tallahassee, it's about the same distance, you'll be off by six miles. Now it's starting to become apparent. If you were traveling from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'll end up on the other side of Baltimore, 42 miles away. And we can continue to kind of this exercise. Uh, if we were to travel to the moon and we were off by one degree, you'd be off by 4,169 miles, nearly twice the diameter of the moon, one degree. You'd miss the moon by another moon. If you were going towards the sun, I, I don't encourage it, don't do it, but if you were, you'd be off by 1.6 million miles, one degree. That's, what's the big deal, right? Well, the reason I looked at that exercise, and, and I've, I've 
looked into it, and I'm, I'm, I like numbers, and I like to see kind of what happens. And I kept playing with it, one degree. Sometimes, really, when we start living for God, many of us either are born in church, many of us found God, many of us were already adults when we found God, when God found us and cleaned us up and brought us into church. A lot of the times, we still have things that we perhaps don't see as, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not until God kind of gives you the revelation and shows you there's a little bit wrong with that. And a little bit goes a long way, right? So the first point I want to make to you today in steadfast and being steadfast amidst the drift is that drifting into the world requires no hard work. Very easy. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I used to go to the river in home, back at home in, in, in Mexico. Uh, we had a house. We still have the house. Um, and there was a river or a creek just south of our, our lawn. And I would always like to go to the top of the creek and drop toys and then kind of see them stream down into the lake. I've lost hundreds of toys in that thing. And I would always throw leaves, sticks, and then the toys that I didn't like, I'd throw them in there and kind of see them go down the river. And I, as I look at this, I realize it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to jump in a current and let it just drift you away. We have this image, the water is calm. But what you don't see is the body of water continually moves. If you don't do anything, if you impose no force on it, it will take you where it wants to go. The forces of nature seem to be passive. They seem to be unharming. They seem to be, it's not a big deal. You know, what's a little bit of current? What's us just continuing to drift into the direction? But as you can see, those 257 souls, if somebody would have told them, hey, one degree is going to ruin your life, I'm sure they would have said that one degree is very important. If you could share the, the image, here's an image of exactly what happened in the trajectory the dotted line is where the previous flight that the airplane had made on numerous occasions, um, and at one degree, they made the same path. The pilots thought they were going to the same place. They thought they were ascending in a similar pattern. Brother Emil's probably going to input this in a simulator now, and he's going to try it out. I, I, I'll probably do it the same. But really, that one degree, the pilots didn't know a difference. To them, everything looked normal. They, they did the same pattern going to... Uh, descending into the mountain to take better pictures. Uh, the story tells that people took pictures as close as 10 seconds from the impact. They, re they recuperated the films, they developed them, and they saw literally 10 seconds before the impact. How sad of a story that everybody was lost because someone, one person, whoever it may have been, or, or, or an object, they made a mistake. But here is, here's the cold truth about that. A pilot who is very experienced, he said, he says, apart from the one degree mistake that was made, there was another crucial mistake. The pilot never checked again against anything else before ascending. They never checked their trajectory or their path of where they were. They didn't have a point of reference. They didn't look at the coordinates. They relied on their own knowledge. They relied on their own truth. They relied on their own ways. Brothers and sisters, what I'm telling you today is our point of reference should not be our own hearts. 
Our point of reference should not be the hearts of the world. Our point of reference is Jesus Christ and his word that he's given us. One degree may not seem like a big deal. One sin, small sin, whatever you want to call it, may not look like a bad deal. But the word of God says you're going to be lost if you don't repent and turn away from that. Our point of reference points us directly to Jesus. The the contrast between active pursuit of righteousness and just letting yourself drift is very apparent. One requires no work at all. You jump in a boat and you let it drift, man, that's a relaxing, it's enjoyable. We, uh, my brother in Michigan, he loves canoeing, and, and he enjoys it. He has several canoes. He takes his kids with him, and they have uh, the Monroe River Raisin. Is, it's a really popular river in that little city, and you drive the car all the way to the top where the river kind of starts the current, and you get in your boat, and you let the thing just kind of take you all the way down. And you, you enjoy the scenery around you. It's, uh, everything's beautiful. But let me tell you, if that's not where you want to go, and you end up at the bottom of the river, you have to go a long way to get back up. The, hard, the, the longer you stay on that current, the faster it gets, the farther away you are from their point of origin, and the harder it is for you to get back. The inconsistency of drifting away. There's also an inconsistency of it. Imagine yourself on that canoe. You have no paddles. You're just in the canoe. And you have no say where you want the canoe to go. The river will tell you where to go. The current is going to take you. You could use your hands all you want. It's not the same thing. I've tried it. I've lost a couple of paddles. But at the end of the day, the river dictates where you go. If we look at James 1, 6. If I could have a little bit more monitor, I apologize. I have... A dry cough, weird, but it's eating me. It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not the man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Imagine yourself again in the same canoe going down the, the current just drifting, just you don't know where you're going to end up. You're hoping you end up somewhere safe, but really you're in, con- you are in loss of control. You are fully embodied into where the current wants to take you. You continue to drift away, and you can continue to say, man, I hope I end up somewhere good, but you have no control of that. But the moment that we apply that to our spiritual lives, we may seem like we have control. But if we let go of God, I'll tell you right now, in the world, nobody's in control but the enemy. The enemy tells you what you want to believe. The enemy tells you what you think you should believe. The enemy tells you what you ought to believe. But it's not the truth. It seems like the truth. It's almost like the truth. It sounds good. It looks good. feels good. But it's not the real deal. A lot of the times... Uh, You see people who buy expensive bags, you know, Louis Vuitton, Coach, Michael Kors, whatever you want to call it. And from afar, you can look at a Louis Vuitton, and I don't know any better. Uh, They both look the same. One of them costs three grand. The other one costs $50 at Chinatown. From afar, it's the same thing. But the craftsman, the person who made that bag, you give them both objects, they'll tell you, hey, this is no good. The material is not the same thing. 
This one, I took my time to do it. I took some hard work to do it. I took the finest materials to get it combined to do the right thing. Isn't it the same how the world tries to mimic and imitate Jesus? In many different ways, it makes you try to feel good. It tries to tell you and convince you that it's okay. It tries to perhaps shove things in front of your face to make you feel better. But at the end of the day, there's an empty feeling inside because you haven't connected with the real truth, the real living waters of Jesus. If you connect with God, if you just get a taste of it, you know, hey, I just felt something different. I just tasted the real thing. I want some more of that, don't you? Drifting away is easy. But if you could consider the analogy, rowing towards God is difficult. It's not easy. The Bible doesn't say it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, it plainly clears it tells us it's going to be difficult. But at the end of the day, it's much more worth it. Haven't you ever heard a saying that it's worth it when you worked for it? Man, it feels good because you accomplished it. You worked hard. You sweat and everything. I helped my dad um, several years ago put a shed together in the back of his house. And it was me and him. And as much as I enjoyed putting it together, I enjoyed it a lot more when we were done. <laughs> it was hard work. It was in the summer. Beams. And his shed's still up. It's, a stir it's gone through two hurricanes already. Don't ask me to build sheds. I, I'm not going to do it again. But I felt great after it was completed. My dad has use for it now. His chickens are all in it and he does all that stuff. But still, the point I'm trying to make is when you work at something, there is a self-accomplishment. But imagine applying that same effort, that same hard work towards the things of God, towards following the truth. Imagine how much more God's going to satisfy that empty feeling fulfilling God's purpose. It's hard work. It's not easy. But doing it, after you do it, you feel an affirmation of God. You feel a confirmation of God. God tells you, hey, you did the right thing when I asked you to do it, not on your own terms. I'll share another brief. This is, this is how I teach. I share a lot of stories, and I share a lot of personal events that have happened in my life. This one more recently. And I, I shared it with Sister Leslie and uh, Brother Joe. On Thursday night, uh, the jamboree, I took my truck, blue truck, big old blue truck, to get painted. And I dropped it off at the mechanics or the paint shop, and I took an Uber from there to church. It was right after work, so I took an Uber from there to church. I requested an Uber. No big deal. Nothing miraculous happening yet. And uh, the individual came to pick me up. And I got in, and he says, where are you going? Just like every Uber asks you, where are you going? And this time I wasn't going to work, and I wasn't going home. It's the first time I took an Uber to go to church. I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to church. He said, okay. He didn't pay no mind to it. Just hit the go button on his Uber app. We started going. It was about 21-minute ride. And I'm busy on my phone. And let me just pause for a second. I've been praying to God to let me witness to more people. I've, I've, I said, God, let me witness to people. Let me talk to people about your word, not just here at church, but outside. I said, I, I want to be able to just tell people. And I made that prayer, and I've made that prayer, and I didn't really realize what the outcome was going to look like until now we're back in the, in the Uber driver or in the Uber car, and we're going down, come towards church, and I'm in my phone replying to emails for work. I'm not thinking about nothing. I'm not thinking about the driver. Just I'm in my own zone. And this Haitian man asks me, he says, where are you going? 
I'm like, I just told you, you're going to church. But I told him again, I'm going to church. He says, oh, it's been a long day, huh? And I, I'm not putting two and two together. I'm just, I'm like, no, it's, I just dropped off my truck. I'm going to church. He says, oh, you're a Christian. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, I am. And again, I'm not like seeing the signals God's putting in front of me. I'm just ignoring everything, right? I'm in my phone replying to emails. And all of a sudden, God's like, you're not listening to me. But just listen further. And the man literally says, I need you to pray for me. I put my phone in my pocket. I said, I heard you, God. Enough said. Like, I don't know what else he needed to do, and I didn't want to find out before I listened to God. And the man says, I need you to pray for me. I put my phone in my pocket. I said, all right, Jesus, this is it. This is the moment I was waiting for. Uh, what do I tell him? I said, okay. I said, I said, first of all, what's your name? He's like, my name's so-and-so. I don't want to say because I, I don't want to invade his privacy, but he told me his name, and I said, okay. I said, what would you like me to pray? That's the first thing that came to mind. I said, what would you like me to pray? And immediately, his, his face changed, his demeanor changed. I could see the broken heart. I could see his broken soul. I could, I could see it, and I could feel it. I felt the presence of God, and all of a sudden, I started to feel what God wanted me to tell him, but I wanted him to be ready to receive it. And I asked him, I said, again, what would you like me to pray? He says, oh, I just need God to forgive me. I said, I, I, too many bad things in my past. And he started telling me just briefly, not exactly what he's done, but how bad he felt. And I, at that moment, I paused him. I said, look, man, I just want to tell you right now how crazy this seems. I said, but I'm on my way to church. And in my church, we believe that the moment you feel and you ask God for forgiveness, God can forgive you. And we started talking. I started witnessing to the man right there. I started telling him, I said, do you go to church he says, yeah, I go to church sometimes. He says, okay, that's all right. I said, you, you've at least believed. You know that because you're stepping out in faith right now, you're asking a total stranger. So you don't know me, but you're asking a total stranger to pray for you. I said, the word of God tells us that's what we need to do. I said, let's pray right now. We prayed while we were driving. He started thanking Jesus. He started saying, thank you, Jesus. And then after I prayed for him, I said, do you have a family? He says, yeah, I have a wife. And she needs prayer. She needs healing. We started praying for her. I said, what about your kids? Do you have kids? He told me his kids' names. We started praying for his full family. And we're getting closer to, closer, closer to church. And he says, where do you go to church? I said, you're going to take me. I said, you'll see. I said, I said, I'll be honest with you. I said, I think God's trying to tell you something. And I told him, I said, I think God's trying to show you that the prayers you've had prior to this encounter, he's already listened to you because he's placed a man of God in your vehicle to tell you he's forgiven you, to tell you that he loves you, and to tell you you need to go back to church. And the man, you could, you could, it's just affirmation in his mind. He kept hearing it, and he says, we were pulling up to the, to the plantation road. We were pulling up to the sign, and I said, hey, you see that sign right there? That's our church. I said, there's a lot of spirit-filled Holy Ghost believers in that church. You bring your wife. We'll pray for her. We'll lay hands on her. We believe can still perform miracles today. Bring her in. And he said, he, he said oh, my God. I said, what? He says, I used to come, Sister, Sister Bruce. He said, I used to come to the yard sales. He says, I used to, he says, I can't believe it. I said, this isn't some coincidence, my man. I said, God's bringing you back to where you need to hear truth. I said, I'm telling you, this is no, this is something God has ordained for you. 
He dropped me off, and he was in disbelief. I, I would be too. I was too afterwards. I said, man, I came in here. I told Sister Alessa, I said, man, does God work in miracle ways? Yesterday. So I gave him my car, and I said, hey, if you ever need a prayer, you call me. I don't know who I was giving my car to, but I felt compelled to do so. Yesterday, I was at my father-in-law. We were picking up our daughter. I hear my phone ring, and I look at the number. I don't recognize it. I usually don't answer numbers I don't recognize. It was a 239 area code. Uh, whatever. It's Saturday. I pick up. Say, this is Jorge in the same voice. He says, I need you to pray for me again. I felt broken. I said, let's pray for you right now. And he started crying on the phone. He started weeping down. Brother and sister, what I'm trying to tell you today, it's not easy for me to do that. For me to step out just like that, I don't know who this man is, but he needed God in that moment. It's easy to go with the worldly things. It's easy to be carried out. It's easy to be complacent. It's easy to be comfortable. It was easy for me to be buried in my phone, just replying to emails. I had work to do. It was easy for me to ignore, but God was saying, hey, son, I need you to speak to somebody this morning. I need you to speak to some witness to somebody that's the hard part. Listening to God is not always easy, but when you put in the effort, when you put in the hard work, and you go against the current, you go against the things of this world, whatever this man was seeking, he hasn't found it out there. He hasn't found it yet. He still feels the void. He was searching for the truth, the salvation, and guess what? It wasn't because of me. I'm just a man. I'm still a broken man that needs to be healed every day, that needs to be repented every day. He found that through Jesus. That's the hard part, removing yourself and letting God just work. I shared that with my wife, and I said, I've never seen anything like that. Just be so blatantly obvious. But God not only listened to his prayer, he listened to mine. God knew I needed that. And perhaps that was a... in in in, in uh, sports world, that was an alley-oop. Just easy, right? Just tossed it up. It didn't require a lot. I didn't initiate the conversation. But at the end of the day, I at least put my phone down. I said, all right, God, listen to you. I don't, I don't know what's next because God does that. He First, it's a soft touch. It's a loving, care voice. It's a nudge. But it becomes a little more firm if you don't listen, he's going to say something or do something loud enough for you to hear him. And I don't want to be in a position to do that. Going against the current is hard. Drifting away is easy. I encourage you this morning and I challenge you to do the hard thing and step out of your comfort zone. And even sharing that with you today, I don't mean that to boast myself. I'm, I'm telling you because it's all God's glory. I don't want any of that. I'm telling you, that's God's doing. It's every, it was just perfectly aligned with what God wanted us to do. I shared him about the healing service we've had. I shared him about everything our church is doing. And the fact that that man somehow knew in, in church, this is encouraging for us that just do the yard sales, for us that just do anything for the church. There are people watching. There are people that remember. There are people who see that. So our behavior, our things that not outreach, although it may seem like it's not impacting anybody, it's impacting somebody. Brother Roger reminded us about the three ladies who came for the healing service who had never come before, who have never been in this. I've never seen them in this church before. But, man, they felt the touch of God. And although 
if they don't come back again, we're still going to praise and worship God because they felt the truth. Once you get a test for the truth, I'm telling you what, there's nothing else that compares. The other point I want to make with you this morning is acceleration of a downstream drift. The more you remove yourself or the more you distance yourself from God, the faster it tends to happen. And you, and I'm not saying it's happening to you, but I'm just saying I want you to be alert. I'm not saying that you're living this way and you're drifting apart. I, please don't misunderstand, misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm trying to encourage you just to open your eyes and be alert. It's okay for us to be extra cautious. There's nothing wrong with being extra cautious against the world things. It's okay to put down some things. Even if it's got no benefit or spiritual benefit, it's okay. It's okay to be extra cautious. What I'd hate for it to happen is, you're traveling just like these folks were in the plane. And at the last 10 seconds, you look out the window and there's a mountain coming at you. And there's no time to pull up. It's a disastrous moment. But it can happen. We've seen it happen time and time again. Examples in the Bible, examples in, our, in, the, in the world, examples of people that we know that you knew they heard the truth. You knew they knew of God. And in the last moments, you're like, I just don't know if they made it. Boy, that's a devastating feeling to have once heard the word, to have understood and be revealed the salvation, to understand that the path forward and the path to Jesus is the word of God, but to have almost made it. Man, that all the time that I think about it, I said, God, please allow me to stay alert. Allow me to stay vigilant against my family, with my family, against the world. Protect my girls. I said, always be vigilant. Proverbs 4.12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is always, is the ways of death. Before I really, you know, before I was baptized with the Holy Ghost, before I stepped into an apostolic church, I thought what I was doing was okay. And I thought I'm being a good human being, I'm being a good kid. I'm not, you know, doing drugs. I'm not stealing. I'm not robbing cars. I'm, I'm not doing any of those things, and, and that's good. And I accepted, you know, many people do this. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I thought I was it. I was saved. That's what I thought. But that was my way of thinking. It wasn't God's way of thinking. It wasn't his revelation. And that's what happens. We seem to think that our way is the right way. If God has placed something in your heart, and you feel like, well, I should think I should do it like this, it's not going to end well. God still uses people, but I'm telling you, it goes a lot better when you go with God. Don't go with the flow of the world. Go with the flow of God. Amen? And here's the consequences of persistent drifting or persistent uh, navigating a drift or continuing in the flow of the world. Galatians 6, 7 Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I'll pause there real quick because that is very clear what God is telling you. What you sow, you will reap. But don't just look at that at the negative. If you do something bad, there's bad consequences that come with it. You have to live with it. Look at that in the good. Uh, my brother's brother-in-law in Michigan, he's a very faithful man. Very humble man, 
And he's a very blessed man financially, spiritually. That man, he's got it. And he's very humble about it. And he once shared with us, we were in a dinner table in his house, and he shared us. He says, I believe that scripture because I know that that's a promise from God. If I sow something good for the God of kingdom, it's going to come back. And I'm not talking about just financially. I'm talking about if you read the word of God, God's going to reveal himself to you. If you worship him, he's going to bless you. If you kneel down to pray, he'll listen to you. If you hear God's word through the preacher, through the pastor, he'll bless you and your family. What you sow, you shall reap. So don't just look at the negative. Oh, if I do something bad, yes, that's very true. That, that will happen. You sin, you're going to hell. If you don't repent, if you don't ask God to forgive you, if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus and you don't receive the Holy Ghost, those things will happen. But the word of God is transparent. You do things for the kingdom of God and God's going to see that and recognize that. And if he doesn't recognize it in this world, guess what? There's a heaven with streets of gold where he will recognize and lay upon you a crown for the things and the works that you've done for him. Amen. And in closing, I want to encourage each and every one of us. This morning, we heard directly from God. Brother Bruce, thank you so much. It's a beautiful feeling to be in the presence of God. If you haven't felt it in a long time, I don't, want to dis- I don't want this message to be discouraging, but I want to encourage you. It's easy to continue to feel that way. If you feel disconnected from God, it's easy to just sit back and say, God will move me. It's easy to just continue to sit there day after day, week after week, and feeling the disconnect from God. It's hard to stand up. It's hard to walk forward. It's hard to tell and admit to God, God, I'm sorry that I've been disconnected from you. I'm sorry that I feel like I'm drifting away spiritually. Whatever it may be, it's hard to do that. But I want to encourage you this morning, in your own seat, or if you want to come to the altar, there are people in this church who will pray with you, who will lay their hands upon you. But more importantly, God's presence is here this morning. And he's telling you, I don't want you to drift away. I gave my only son, my self for you. Because I want you to be saved. And I want your soul to be saved. And I want you to spend eternity with me. Don't drift away. Instead, steadfast, anchor yourself in the word of God. Anchor yourself in Jesus. There is a solid foundation upon which your house can be built if you build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ I'm just encouraging you this morning stand with me this morning I encourage you to use God's words as God's word as a reference point See where you were at one point in your walk with God and look at it today. Are you closer to God or are you further away from him? It's as simple as that. If you're further away, the good news is he's right here and you can get real close. And if you're closer to God than you once were, praise God. Continue to pull near him. As they worship this morning, just lift your hands and tell him how much you love him. Hallelujah. Jesus is lifted high.
thought that word steadfast it's not easy to do but there's examples in the bible but there are also examples of people who, who just show a tenacity and a drive that have uh, perhaps an unwilling to show defeat an unwilling to give up an unwilling to leave their post to leave their guard there is a, a soldier very famously renowned after world war ii hiro onada the imperial Japanese soldier who hid from the Philippine jungle for 30 years. This man was given an order, him and two other soldiers. I believe it was a total of three. This man was given an order to hold a territory, an island, a small island in the, in the coast of the, the Philippines. And he was told to stay at guard and defend it with all his life. Those were all the rules that he was given. That's all the direction that his commanding officer gave him. The war had already ended. This man was disconnected from society. He was disconnected from anywhere else. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have the worldwide internet. It didn't have any sort of news of what had happened. The world had already ended, and he was still at guard. As a matter of fact, they sent out a search, a search party, and the two soldiers that were with him left. They gave up. They surrendered, but he did not surrender. He said, I have given an order, and that order is going to be executed to my last breath. They sent the search party after him 30 years after the World War II. They found him with his carabine still intact, still in function and order. You realize after 30 years in the jungle, we're not talking about 30 years in a hotel. This man was in the wilderness surviving on his own with one thing that he kept reminding himself, I am going to execute that order until my last dying breath. If that is not a display of the willingness to continue to fight. Even though the fight in other areas is already, but the willingness to continue to fight in a man that was fighting for a cause of this world. I'm telling you this morning, continue to fight the fight that God has placed in your heart because we're not fighting for this world. We're fighting for the kingdom of God. Continue to fight. 30 years later, he eventually surrendered his sword and they gave him a medal some medal of honor and they gave him honor to this soldier but just use that remind yourself he was by himself i'm sure god took care of him in the wilderness but imagine how much more god will take care of you when you're fighting his fight amen why don't we transition into prayer in our second service this morning thank you jesus amen